welcome to episode 99 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC anime universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. I said that like I was about to forget my own name for a second. I mean, we've done this 99 <laughs> times now, Chris. The 100th is when we just wipe our memories clean. If, if, we, if, we, if, we if, get my, if my Adobe programs have taught me anything, once you hit it, once you hit a certain number, mm-hmm. you just got to wipe all that data. It's like and the, that's uh, what episode 100 is for us, is we're going to go back to episode one. It's the, the Y2K version of podcast numbering. Yep. We're, we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're still figuring out what to do for episode 100, because it is, it is a milestone If episode. you have any suggestions. But no, legitimately, if you guys have some thoughts, because like the, the bit of the pickle we find ourselves in is we've actually done well more than 100 episodes with all these bonus things, but we still have to actually like do the subject matter for it mm-hmm. to count as the 100th episode. Yeah, this is the 100th canonical episode. Yeah, so we need to think of something else to do within that. So if you have ideas, uh, send them our way. Yeah, because we are uncreative. Very much so. That's why we're just doing a podcast about someone else's good work. We depend on you. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but we are basically going to do no news in lieu of doing having a separate conversation. But there was one piece of news we absolutely had to talk about. Yes. Which somehow Cameron had escaped you. It completely you, missed me. Which is shocking to me. I also posted it on, like, Twitter and in, or Twitter and Facebook for the podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think I follow <laughs> Goes our to show how involved you are. Um, hey, I was on the Instagram for a minute. You were. You were. I actually got thrown because I thought someone was sending us stuff off their story, and then I realized that you were at the the Warner Brothers thing. I was. I got so confused by that. But no, mm-hmm. well done, Cameron. Well done for putting in middle effort. Yeah. Um, well, they wouldn't let me take pictures inside. Oh. To, to fill people in who don't follow us on Instagram. Which, why? Why wouldn't uh, you? Chris had a great time at LA Comic Con. I did. Uh, and since I was feeling I missed out on all the Batman fun, I went to the Warner Brothers Haunted Houses. They set up. They, this is the second year they've been doing it. Yeah. It's super chill. I really loved it. Mm-hmm. But one of their mazes was Arkham Asylum. Is it every year's at Arkham Asylum or just this year? This was this year they had Arkham Asylum. <clears throat> is it worth trying to try and get down there in time? To it, s- last night was the last night. Fuck! Sorry. Um, but it was, it was awesome. Like the maze was so cool. I had, I I hate haunted houses. Yes, you do. But I had the biggest smile on my face the whole time for that one. So you like, you walk in and it's, um, it's the, the Batman episode, um, where, uh, he's on trial. Oh God. Uh, isn't it called trial? Yeah. The trial. There you go. Uh, so yeah. The Vitas episode. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, Joker is playing, uh, the, not sheriff. What the judge? The ju- oh my Sorry. god! This is going to be a long, long day. This is going to be a long, long description. All right, uh, continue. So he's please. sentencing, sentencing, sentencing all of us oh, to Arkham. Jesus Christ! Uh, and it's cool. And so you see, like Riddler is in there, and Harley's in there. Uh, Riddler almost took my friend's head off by accident because uh, he has his cane and he's kind of swinging it through the bars. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and there's like a small hole in the wall when you're turning a corner, and so he throws his cane through the hole. Uh, and I guess, like, either he wasn't paying attention or my friend was walking faster than, than he was expecting and was, like, inches away from just knocking her out. Oh, shit. Yeah, a little too close for comfort. Usually these mazes are better than that. Did, did he um, break character and be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry? No, but he, he like, chuckled. <laughs> He's like, better watch out, honey. Um, <laughs> but it was cool. The, the maze was really cool. <clears throat> oh, I'm so sad I missed this. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Yeah, I have no fun ever. Potentially so. next year. There are rumors that this was the last year they're doing it because like no one was there. Damn it! It was like if anyone is in LA and has done a Universal see, one. Because you mentioned like the the Haunted Nights thing. I thought you meant maybe Universal one of those. I didn't realize you were going to Warner Brothers. If yeah. you had, I would have been like, what the fuck? I must go as well. Mm-hmm. It was. It's so <laughs> different from how Universal does it. Yeah, that's actually like really horror themed. Right? I feel like this was maybe more 
cinema? Uh, it it's the same vibe, but. The, have you done the Universal one? I actually haven't, no. Okay, so when you walk around, there's people everywhere in the walkway kind of trying to scare you and yell at you, and they have chainsaws, and there's this music play. Like, it, it's sensory overload wherever you are in the park. Yeah. Uh, and especially when you're, once you get to the music, once you get inside the mazes after the two-hour wait, because it's unbelievably long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, then it's just even worse sensory over- overload where it's just flashes and, and sounds and then people jumping out. Where you, uh, Warner Brothers did an opposite take on it, which was really cool. Where you go in and it's just silent. Oh, it's so like one of them was you go to Camp Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. So they they you get on a tram and they take you off to this this side park and it's just silent and you're walking Ooh. through and it's just like this super eerie campsite. Oh, that's and cool. And you just kind of see dead bodies lying around and then Jason pops out. And then for some reason, Freddy Krueger was also there. Well, Freddy, but they weren't Jason. fighting. Oh, were they just like having a cup of tea? They were they were both just like trying to scare you. Oh, uh, but then it was great at the very end. It was uh, Freddy in a like camp counselor outfit, mm-hmm. like telling you like come back next year, guys. I'm so ex- I'm so excited to see you again soon. That's pretty good. It was really cute. Oh, uh, but it was cool. And then the Warner Brothers one. There's no one in the middle. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a few people that like, you can take photos with. So, like Joker's walking around. Harley's walking around. Um, there were a couple of Pennywise walking around. The 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 kid with the balloon. Um, oh yeah. I haven't seen the movie actually, so I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, and it was cool. It was, it was like, like they were there just to kind of have fun with you. Okay. Uh, and it, it was just like so much more relaxing than than Universal. Yeah, the the Universal thing seems intense. I would like to check it out at some point, but I, just, mm-hmm. I didn't have time this year. Yeah, I was. And all, and also just line wise, if anyone is, is in LA and they want to do this next year. Universal is horrible lines. It's usually an hour to two hour per maze. Yeah. Uh, unless you pay extra for the fast pass. Uh, the Warner Brothers one, we didn't wait longer than 30 minutes for any of them. Oh, that's not bad. And I asked the guy working one of the concession stands, I'm like, oh, is this about the crowd size? Like, this is usually busier than what we've had. Mm-hmm. So, like, 30 minutes is on the busy side for them. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's well worth it then. Yeah. I hope they do it again because I want to go. Yeah, I hope they do too because it was it was like such a nicer experience than Universal. Yeah. Well, because you were off doing yeah, so that, that was a long <laughs> a long talk for for a fo- for a single photo that I put up on Instagram. Right, but because you were off doing that, some somehow you missed the fact that we are getting the return of the original Teen Titans I as know. teased at the end of Teen Titans Go. Yes. And we're getting the form of Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Yes. No one knows yet what this is, if it's a TV show, mm-hmm. if it's a, a movie, like a direct DVD movie, or what. Um, but, I mean, it's, so it's not the return of the original Teen Titans that you maybe had anticipated, but mm-hmm. you literally just discovered this about five minutes before we started yes, the podcast. Yes, literally right before we started talking about this. <clears throat> um, I have one piece of news for you. The closest we have to live news here, what is your thoughts? I, oh, man. Obviously, anything Teen Titans related, I'm excited for. Mm-hmm. And also, after Teen Titans go to the movies... I'm just excited for anything that happens in that world. Like, they know how to yeah. handle self-reference humor. They do. Probably better than anything we've seen recently. I, I think I think they do it even better than Deadpool. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was just about to say but that. But I think that they have the... I'm not going to call it the advantage. They have the extra challenge of having to do it PG, mm-hmm. which means you have to bank on creativity then rather than just on vulgarity. And yeah. I like Deadpool, but it I think Teen Titans Go is Well, better. I think DC also, or uh, Teen Titans also has the advantage because they have DC behind it. That's and true. And they have yeah. all of DC, whereas yeah. Deadpool kind of just has X-Men. 
that yeah, he can true. focus they're, on at. They're pretty limited. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Teen Titans Go is able to have like all the characters in there. Yeah, like having all of the. I think like, I think we counted four, uh, like frames of the Superman posters in the background having mustaches on them. Oh yeah, all the mu- oh, it's so many great little things like that, and I mean. I so I actually hadn't even heard the original Teen Titans theme in years because oh, I haven't watched man. the show. It, I have so, so just have, even the tease of it was amazing. I have a running playlist, even though I, I rarely go running. <laughs> uh, just con- uh, just made up of TV show intros. Of course you do. Yeah, and it, it works. It works out great. So Teen Titans is, is one of the shows. I'll have to get the link to that list from you and include it in the show notes because I actually do want to listen to that. It's it's on it's an iTunes list. It's not. Oh, a oh okay. Because oh, Spotify doesn't have a lot of the the theme songs I listen to. Oh, okay. There's a lot of anime do, intros. I was say, do you have like Full House on there? No, no, no. I have. Oh, I'll pull up. I'll try and find it really quick. Um, <laughs> I have like a few songs from the Goofy movie, uh, the Kim Possible intro, and then oh, it's just you from Kim Possible. Classics. The Cowboy Bebop intro. Uh, Three of the four Digimon intros, the Dragon Ball Z intro, uh, a few Naruto's, uh, Ember from Danny Phantom. Okay, we get it. You're a nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, th- this the playlist is literally called Nerd Trash. <laughs> well, at least she's self-aware. Yes. Um. Ultimate Muscle. Oh, man. Do you, do you know Ultimate Muscle? No, I don't know what that is. What? Oh, man. It's, I, I don't have to go into it. It's a great show if, anyone has, if anyone's wanting a new show to watch. Go find Ultimate Muscle. Okay, I'll go. I'll go track down Ultimate Muscle. But um, we we did uh, kind of put out a call to the listeners at the end of last episode because mm-hmm. uh, Vox Media put out this video, and it's basically asking, is it's not even asking, it's declaring that the MCU is overrated. Mm-hmm. And so we threw it out to our listeners to get some some thoughts on it, and we'll, we'll kind of come to after we talk about it ourselves. Uh, we both just re- watched this. I rewatched it. You watched it the first time. Mm-hmm. What did, mere minutes ago? Mere minutes ago, of course. What I mean, what did you think? I mean, did you think they had valid arguments for, or did you did you feel like the whole thing was basically just trying <clears throat> to justify its own premise? A little bit of both. Um, so they they open up the argument with kind of talk kind of talking about the history of comic crossovers and media crossovers. Yeah. So they talk about you know in in the early early Namor comics in like nineteen thirty nine. Um, they mention the Human Torch. They that exists in the same universe. Yeah, not the Fantastic Four Human Torch, mind you, folks. The original Human yeah, Torch. Yeah, sorry, yeah, the original Human Torch. And then it kind of expanded when uh, the Green Hornet radio show introduced the Lone Ranger, and they were uh, relatives. Yeah, the, oh yeah, they were around. Lone Ranger came first, and then they're like, oh, by the way, the Green Hornet is yeah related to Lone Ranger. Yeah, and they, and they talk about how crossovers. <laughs> um, uh, they they use it. They use the fame of one to boast to boost the the property of another or the the the. Yeah, which... <clears throat> uh, popularity of the other. Which, from a business perspective, yes, that is obviously true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think... I mean, YouTubers do it all. Like, it's it's still so relevant in YouTube well, right I now. I mean, fuck, we do this. Like, we're always talking about <laughs> DCAU Watchtower and uh, Above and Batman Beyond and DCAU Review. Like, we're, we're always kind of, like, promoting each other's stuff. But, I, I mean, I think that's there is an element of, like, well, it's, you know, mutually appreciated material. Like, you know, we've all become, like internet friends mm-hmm. and so we share and I, I i mean i agree with the fact that crossovers do have that sort of financial p- benefit and potential that business benefit yeah i think this is basically though completely throwing out the creative benefit of yes. it too like it, it just dismisses it doesn't even address the fact that m- whether it's done originally for financial purposes or for creative purposes that there is creative output that comes along with it mm-hmm. that they just don't even address 
Yeah, so so I I kind of looked at this video from from a different from the lens of the crossover, mm-hmm. uh, and so my my kind of theory I got from it, from it was um, crossovers, uh, how Marvel handles it right now is hype over story, and crossovers okay. should be references, not story beats. It is kind of the argument I got because they talked about in Spider Man. Um, uh, in Spider-Man: Homecoming, you had the characters in the masks, yeah, which I thought was was fun, and then you had Bruce Banner, yeah, on the wall, yeah. which I didn't even notice until they you brought never that noticed up. that. Oh, I never yeah. noticed I that. that. Right back to the the one time I saw it, mm-hmm. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're basically arguing that the the crossover element of the MCU is very superficial, and mm-hmm. then it's basically just yeah references spread throughout each other's stuff. Yeah, which has been dumbed down into even though this kind of goes against my my previous point, it's dumbed down to just merchandise. Yeah, exactly. Merchandise are just um, yeah, you know, where, where it's or like uh, they make reference to the Ant Man line, of like oh, why don't we call the Avengers? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I don't want it to end up in the hands of a Stark. And it, I I agree with some of their their drawbacks that you at a certain point have to shoehorn in justification for why people aren't there. Yeah, you know, like I remember watching. Winter Soldier and thinking, well, why isn't Tony here? Mm-hmm. Like, this definitely seems like something on the scale that he would be involved with. Yeah, I, I brought that up in the same thing with, uh, my in my notes, I had it with Thor Dark World. Like, yeah. This is literally a world-ending device. Yeah. Well, and the thing in is... In a major city. Right? And I think Marvel learned from that, though, because then yeah. you watch how they approached all of their future films, and they were smart about where the conflict was happening, so that wasn't a, an issue, and they're also smart about... Like, the scale. Like, I thought the, the reference in Ant-Man was fine because Ant-Man is on a much smaller, mm-hmm. no pun intended, scale. Well, I was thinking the when they had Falcon in it. Yeah, but they yeah, still addressed so like, it. Yeah, so, like, he's going to an Avengers facility. Obviously, there's going to be someone there to be in his way. Yeah. And so, yeah, Falcon being there made sense. And and I think the the MCU has evolved in terms of how they do this. Like, now it's not just, like, it's not just cameos, but they're actually giving characters moments to do something in each other's movies. Like I think Thor, the um, Thor Ragnarok is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Like Doctor Strange is just in there for a few minutes, and he's not necessarily super consequential to the plot. No, not at all. But he's it's fun. That is a really fun scene yeah. to throw in there. I mean, even the inclusion of the Hulk and Thor, Thor Ragnarok. You're like this doesn't really need to be here, but I like that it's here because it's doing something creative yeah and yeah i guess it's fan baiting but if it's successful if it works is that a bad thing i don't think so like i like one of the cameos that i kind of get some hate for which i i still stand by i think it's one of the funniest ones is in thor dark world um when thor is walking with loki down the hall oh yeah and and loki's like oh you don't feel comfortable walking with me and they walk past a pillar and it's chris evans standing there that's a great one yeah like, I love that. And, I, and a lot of people are just like, that's dumb. That's unnecessary. And I'm like, but that's the point. It's, I mean, that's like, what, it doesn't matter, but it's for us. It is. And it that is a funny sequence. And it's, I mean, it's also a good excuse to, like, just have a very playful moment and to have <laughs> Chris Evans playing Captain America as if Loki were playing him. Yeah. It's, it's a whole convoluted mess, but it's like, I don't know. I thought that was quite fun, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I mean I know I took this kind of on a different page, so mm-hmm. I'll do I'll do one more point on my on my side of the argument. Um, they I, I said I agree with a lot of what the the guy in the video says, um, but like how do you kind of fix that at this point? And then especially with Captain Marvel coming out, 
where you can't mm. really have those references because it's set in the nineties. Yeah, so like we're we're getting Coulson, we're getting Fury. Fury. Um, well, we're also getting. And we know the Starks are dead. Already. Yeah, we're getting Ronan. <clears throat> yeah, Ronan. Yeah, you know, we're getting. Ronan. Um, I can't remember Jamon <clears throat> Hansu's character's name. Korath, I want to say. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like we've had this conversation before. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, mm. like how do you, like, like they they still obviously have so much opportunity for fun, with the fans and to kind of fill out the story and the world. Yeah. But it's just it's it's going to be interesting on how they handle that. So do you mean like how do they? include references to justify them or do you mean how do they put in deeper story points because i feel like that one of the criticisms of this video is basically that the mcu is only references and not like actual connective tissue so you're asking like how do you incorporate more connective tissue yeah um i don't i mean i don't i don't know specifically mm-hmm. but i feel like they've probably figured that out yeah i mean again given Thor Ragnarok given Infinity War, mm-hmm. a movie that I maintain shouldn't be as good as it is. Absolutely. Um, and, but also look at Black Panther, where they did little to nothing. You know, mm-hmm. they had a couple recurring characters, recurring supportive characters, um, but they didn't try and shoehorn in Cap or Iron Man or any of these other things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this was a character that a cynical person could say didn't have necessarily the legs to stand on its own. Obviously, that turned out to be not true. Yeah, I mean, even Marvel believed that. Like, yeah, there was no, there was almost no Black Panther in Infinity War. Right, and I think they've gotten smart about knowing when to do it and when not to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so my final, my final point for this, and kind of my summer, my summary of their video is: um, how can you add new stories without needing to rewrite the old ones? So, by mean by rewrite the old ones, do you mean rewrite the existing movie stories, the existing comic stories they're adapting? Uh, movie stories. Oh, like, I mean, are you, like, retcon? Is that what you mean? Retconning or, like, needing new information in the past to make the present make sense. Oh, uh, okay. Like, how are they going to explain why Captain Marvel's been missing for the last 20 yeah. years? And then, like, um, kind of, like, we, we know that, obviously, Howard Stark has been dead, but then kind of rewriting that past oh, so I see what to you make mean. sense for Civil War. I see what you mean, and, yeah. And, like... Yeah, to like, justify it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't. I mean, I guess I don't. Well, know. It's not really. It's not really like a, oh, an okay. It's, it's more. It's, it's yeah, a it's thought. A, yeah, because yeah. I don't. I don't really know what the answer is. I, I mm-hmm. think that they are pretty good about self-correcting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am curious what you thought about their, um, their comparison to the X-Men universe as a counterpoint. That was interesting. I I didn't follow that. As well, so it didn't really make what, a lot of what, sense I to know, me. I I had a hard time following along with it as well, which I think is a general criticism overall of this video. But basically, what they're saying is in X Men there is a a narrative through line amongst all the movies, which mm-hmm. is that because mutants exist, not only is are there two sides that characters are are forced to choose between, but it asks the audience to think about where they would fall. As yeah. well, like in the sense that there, it's there is moral gray areas in all those movies. Like depending on your perspective, you could see how Eric's justified, or you could see how Charles justified. You're actually kind of, especially in like first class, designed for both of them mm-hmm. to be justified in their their reasoning. Yeah, and so I guess that's what he was saying. Is like that is a more interesting universe in the sense that there is a thematic core that doesn't necessarily carry through all of the Marvel films, which I, I will actually agree with him on that. Yes. Oh yeah. I agree with that. In that sense, it's a deeper 
world. And I think that honestly has less to do with the quality of the movies, which is spotty. Mm-hmm. Although the good ones are great. But I think that has more to do with better source material. Yeah, I was, I was just going to bring that up. They have, there, there's, it's a smaller world yeah. that, they, that they're pulling from where the MCU is the universe. Yeah. X-Men is X-Men. And, and I think that X-Men has always had that advantage of being just a more interesting concept. And I think having deeper social roots mm-hmm. as well. I mean, it's always basically been an allegory for, for civil rights. So there's more to draw from there. Right. And, and I mean, that doesn't undercut the value, like the quality of those movies though, because, you know, I would argue that in some ways, you know, DC has some really great stories and characters to draw from, but they're squandering it. And I will at least give Fox credit for only sometimes squandering right. the potential there. But I, I think that sometimes multiple times at the same so, story. Yeah, so, oh, oh yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that that comes a lot down to, the source material. Um, and I also like, there just was some weird things they're trying to go for. Like at the end, making the comment, about, like, Oh, when's Disney going to shove a star Wars, Marvel, like spin it, like crossover down our throats. I'm like that, that seemed a little extreme. You're making a hyperbolic point to justify your premise, but it's not an actual argument. Like no one's suggesting that actually is a thing except for Patton Oswalt. And that was just a filibuster. Yeah, but I, I would also watch Patton Oswalt's movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would, but it would have to be if made. If it was made, yeah. It would have to be made by, by Patton Oswalt. Like, yeah. I don't actually want it coming from Disney. I would love to see, like, the fan version of that. I, yeah, I want it to just be, like, a crude animatic where he's doing all the voices. He wrote the whole thing himself. Yeah. No, I think that'd be fun. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I, I got what this video was trying to do, but I felt like overall it was mostly just trying to, like, it, they were like, well, everyone has said that the MCU is overrated, so we have to come up with a reason why. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't think it quite worked. Because um, I, I compared this a lot to, um, I don't think it was Vox. I don't. I think it might have been Nerdwriter. Mm-hmm. Did a video on a similar point of uh, why the MCU music is so boring. Oh, yeah. And it just kind of, it's, it's a little more bland. And I think there is <clears throat> something to that blandness. And I, I want to get to that with um, with a, a note, a message from okay, one okay, of our okay. listeners. Um, but so I'll start. Segway. Segway. I'm going to start out with uh, Gordon Wills, who wrote into us. And he, he was kind of more along with, uh, with us. And he says, hey, guys, I watched the Vox MCU video. I don't think I really agree with them. So he's on our camp, kind of. They spent most of their time talking about Marvel Comics for one. They even focus on a crossover from the 30s that probably really has nothing to do with the Marvel Universe that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby kicked off. Mm-hmm. I would also agree with that. Um, I can see some of the issues trying to tie in characters like the Ant-Man movie. They aren't wrong on that, but Homecoming is heavily tied into the events of the first Avengers movie. Also true that that they actually a very good point the video ignored was that the whole plot of Spider-Man is hangs, based off of yeah yeah hangs off of consequences from a previous film yeah which I think is valid which I think made one of the best villains yeah I, I mean like Vulture is still top three villains yeah I mean I think it's like him and Loki and Thanos mm-hmm. top villains right yeah. Um, I also really don't think that using the X-Men as a good example of an extended universe is a good idea. They've got their fair share of continuity problems over the years. Mm-hmm. I would agree with all those things. Um, but I actually thought the more interesting message that came to us. That one was interesting. It was. We have it another was. interesting no, one as well. Not to slide you, Gordon, but because we're in agreement <laughs> on, on it. I have to play it's, teacher here. It's there like, are no <laughs> favorites. All, all students are our favorite students. Okay. Well, Ashley Clark, <laughs> our beloved Ashley Clark, also wrote into us, and she had something different to say. So she said... Okay, so I finally watched the Vox video, and I felt so relieved to hear my inner thoughts vocalized. Mm. Yes. I've been bored with the MCU for quite a few movies now outside of Captain America, who's basically their Superman. Absolutely right. The yep. best Superman movies are the Captain America movies. Mm. Uh, they felt so soulless, inconsequential, trite. 
Um, Spider-Man Homecoming was the first movie in a long while to make me feel something, like the MCU could actually do something of consequence again, like there could be other movies comparable to Logan. Very good point, actually. Um, I'm not a Marvel fan by any stretch of the imagination. I've always been a DC girl through and through. So are are we. we. Uh, To me, the argument that Marvel characters are more real was nerd gatekeeping regurgitated. Uh, If you mind the actual stories of DC characters, you can find so much depth. Unfortunately, DC is currently... Too concerned with emulating Marvel to realize this in both the comics and the movies. Also, there's a ridiculous lack of female viewpoint on these characters, but I won't belabor that point. You are <laughs> absolutely 100% right on that. Yes. Uh, I think that's what's frustrating me so much about the DC cinematic universe is in Man of Steel, I was teased with pathos for getting that stupid Jonathan Kent sacrifice. Zack Snyder knows how to start an emotional journey, but he sure as fuck does not know how to continue or end it. Uh, I wanted to see the conflict of him choosing hope in an unforgiving world, but then I ended up with Batman versus Superman's debacle. The extended version of the movie makes more narrative sense, but it does, still doesn't feel like the hope I had of when Henry Cavill's Superman journey could have been, and I am so bitter about it. As are we. Ashley, you continue to be a girl off my own heart. Uh, also, I think why the Timverse holds up so remarkably well is that they understand that there is a limit to creativity. Shows didn't last a bajillion seasons. They told their story, they told it well, and they'll probably be held up as the standard for DC for years to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, although she's still better about Bruce Lena. Even Diana Bruce would have been interesting if it upheld. Uh, please don't feel the need to acknowledge all this in your notes, which we did anyways, because it was a lovely note. Uh, she just said the video triggered a lot of feelings that mm-hmm. had not been given a voice to. And she says, thank you for all what you do. It's very sweet. Yes. I there's a, there's a point in that... Um, sorry to cut you off already. How dare you? Um, that Yeah, right when the video opens, they brought up comparing it to other fantasy worlds. Yeah. And I think the biggest difference is those stories end. Like, I was thinking about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And that has a finite ending. Yeah. Um, whereas comics haven't, you know, started and haven't stopped yet. No, and they won't be doing anytime even, soon. Even when they, even when those characters die, they're still there. They still come back around and get reborn somehow. But no, I mean, I, I so, yeah, it makes it a little harder to to kind of wrap up a story when when literally a story never is meant to end. No, and I think Gotham we're, never <laughs> Gotham is never going to be clean. Um, I think we're getting the point with the MCU where there are going to be some definitive endings, which yeah. would be nice to see. But no, I, I agree with actually everything Ashley says here. I mean. I, I think it is a, va- a very valid comment to say that the MCU movies are a little inconsequential and a little bit mundane. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they are all really good at what they do, but I don't think they are necessarily movies that are thematically in pushing boundaries or maybe even emotionally. I do want to talk about Ashley's point about um, Man of Steel, though. And okay. I actually get what she's saying, that they're... At its core, there's actually a really good idea there about Superman being a, let me just steal a, a line from BVS, like a beacon of hope. I mean, that's just like, it doesn't really fucking matter. Doesn't does matter. It? Like, it really doesn't. I think there are there is some good stuff in that movie. Um, it's just, I think, tonally was kind of a miss. But I, I will say that there are parts of that movie that I do actually find really emotionally affecting. Like, I actually really like all the parts before he puts on the suit, mm-hmm. for the most part, where he's learning how alien he is in the world and feeling so ostracized, um, but still having those really strong human connections and with his parents. Like, I think there's actually some really good stuff in there. And I'm, I will always give <laughs> Zack Snyder credit for trying things. Yeah. They just often don't work. Right. 
He doesn't know how to execute them. But there are, you know, interesting ideas even in BVS. It just doesn't go anywhere. And, and I think it's fair to say that Marvel has chosen to be very palatable and acceptable rather than being really daring. But even then, I'm going to give them credit of pushing that a little bit. I think the the triple bill of Thor, Ragnarok, Black Panther, and Avengers Infinity War show that they're actually willing to really push themselves now in a way they hadn't been doing for a long time. Mm-hmm. I feel like they, they found a formula kind of partway through phase two, and then they started to mix it up at the end of phase three. Yeah. And I think they also just had less... Uh, story beats to hit at that point. Like yeah. the, the middle of the pack for phase two and early phase three really suffered because they had to set up everything. Yes. And then once it was set up, then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, directors, go do whatever you want. Yeah. As long as like you don't do this, mm-hmm. then you can do anything. Yeah. And I think maybe like a, a final button on this whole thing is I think it's fair to say that the because the MCU is kind of meant to be so accessible. I don't think there's any movies in that that have the same sort of resonance as, say, X-Men First Class, X2, um, Batman Begins, which is pre-DCEU. But, like, I think those other franchises go for a stronger emotional core than maybe the MCU does. That being said, uh, Guardians 2 made me cry. That's true. It did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But only the second time I watched it. (laughs) But still. But, I mean, it's still, it's an interesting video. It is. I think overall it's just meant to be clickbait. Oh, I mean, that's most of Vox. Yeah, But I true. fall for it. Almost I, I do fall for it. Look, it, it spawned a long conversation from us about it. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, thanks everyone for, uh, well, everyone, Ashley and Gordon for writing in and giving us your thoughts. So always appreciated. Yeah. Should we talk about what we're supposed to talk about now? Yes, I think we shall. Let's um, talk about what we're supposed to talk about. So two <laughs> mediocre episodes. Since you, since you had not... Watch Batman Beyond. Oh, God, this episode You was... didn't know what was coming I, with rats. Which... I, I saw the title of it, and I'm like, okay, we're either going to get a mutant or we're going to get Sewer King number two. I was going to say, this is basically just and the I Underdwellers Beyond. <laughs> yeah, it, it is the Underdwellers Beyond. Yes. Um, okay, let's, can we try and, let's try if we can find some good stuff in this. The haircut. <laughs> Look, I, the white dress that somehow never gets stained, even when she's swimming through, through literal shit. Through literal shit. Yes. I. So I will. I will give. <laughs> what a what a dress. <laughs> I, I'm gonna give them credit for putting Dana at the forefront of an episode, a character mm-hmm. who um, is usually just kind of honestly background conflict in a lot of ways. Absolutely. She's usually just yeah. there to represent. Um, something that Terry is getting pulled away from to go do Batmaning. And that's mm-hmm. basically what this whole episode is about. But it is mostly from her perspective. So I'm going to give them credit for trying that. I don't think it's necessarily successful at that. No. because So the the general thing that happens here is that Dana is getting tired of Terry once again blowing her off. So she decides she's going to give him one more chance because she discovers a a single a, flower. a single white rose saying um all we will be there for you which she assumes come from Terry but actually comes from rat the, boy the friends from friends yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yes um so it comes from from we'll find out rat boy and when Patrick Patrick and so when uh Terry misses yet again his second chance 
uh, rat boy Patrick kidnaps her and then tries to convince her to stay with him down the sewers and she tries to leave and then Terry as Batman tries to go and, and find her and of course eventually does um, and then they blow up the sewers and they blow up the sewers and they say everything is fine and just they're just gonna ignore how <clears throat> all of Gotham's gonna smell like shit for yes. the next well, month as they rebuild the entire underground plumbing facility there there's yeah good a job lot, batman good a lot job. of a lot of things in this episode that i found kind of bizarre um one terry sells a home phone i think right doesn't mm-hmm. like he maddie argue over home phone how quaint yes um two she gets like dressed up like black tie dressed up like this would almost be too much for a prom dress mm-hmm. level of dressed up here. Like short, tight, white dress, hair done up. She's got like uh, a, a shawl. Most of it up. One, one, one she's, strand she's got, is not up. She's got some... Um, I call it a front rat tail. Front rat tail. She's got some bangs action going on up front. Um, single to, bang. re- to really just really sell. I mean, this is, she looks a lot like um, Darla from uh, Superman, the toy man robot. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a very similar aesthetic going on there. Um, see, Darla, long-lasting influence yeah. in the DCAU. But she gets crazy, crazy dressed up to meet Terry for fast food chili. Yes. Fast I even, food I even chili. Wrote, I even wrote, I said, wait, she's going to eat chili in that white dress? What a daredevil. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> that is, one, a bold maneuver right yeah. there. You should wear um, nothing sh- like brighter than like a dark, deep red yes. or a black and go to eat chili. Um, so he... What a what a romantic spot, because everyone eats chili. So like it's like it's such a classic romance. Yeah, food. I mean it basically looks like the outside of a Darwiner schnitzel. Yeah, I mean can we get a different reference? <laughs> what? Uh, what is a Dorito schnitzel? No Wiener schnitzel. Oh, but sorry, I okay. I call it Darwiner schnitzel because like I guess when it originally D E R yeah, yeah like dare mm-hmm. like in German der Wiener schnitzel. I heard it as like Dorito, like the Dorito like the schnitzel. Free, yeah, like the Frito Lay Doritos. It's, it's a pork chop breaded with Doritos. I mean, I'd eat that. Yeah, now that I say that, that exists. I'm sure somewhere in the universe, probably somewhere, probably in, the, in Texas. somewhere in the Midwest or yeah. Texas, actually, more likely Texas. Um, probably some state fair food. Yeah, but it, it is just this like really like schlocky fast food restaurant. Um, so she gets kidnapped and taken down to the sewers. And then like she tries to be nice, mm-hmm. obviously because Dana is one, a good person and two, not an idiot. Yeah. She knows that like kindness is probably gonna get her further than being aggressive. But as soon as it's clear that Patrick's not gonna let her leave, she decides to like venture out on her own. And like, I mean, what, what did you think about that sequence of her, like trying to escape into the sewers on her own? It, it was, I, I enjoyed it. It was I did too, it was actually nice. I mean, there was no dialogue. It was yeah, just it's all visual. Know. And like, it looks really good too. All the way mm-hmm. through. Yeah, and like I, I often wonder how complex our sewer system is. If it is just this labyrinth, uh, I'm gonna guess no. I don't think it's quite that bad. But this is also the future. It it is, yeah. And there's some weird pipes in the middle of walkways and stuff. But like I, I give it. Well, I mean, she wasn't on a walkway ever. She was just walking on pipes. Yeah, that was a strange way to start things off, admittedly. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I mean, it. It's. I mean, her... we had our, our uh, Chekhov's nuclear waste pile. We did. Thank. <laughs> Thank God. Chekhov's came, vat of nuclear waste. Thank God that came back around. Otherwise, what? And the, uh, Chekhov's hockey stick. Yeah. As well, too. Those things both came back around. But I, so I liked that it was giving her her own agency. I mean, I also, and, but it, 
it also felt like it was playing off of cliches. So it's like, oh, she's this beautiful dress, and like, of course, she wouldn't want to get it like ruined. It, it basically undercutting her glamour mm-hmm. in ways to try and escape. And I just, I don't know if that is that progressive. Like, I don't really know. I don't know. Again, I'm male, yeah, and I'm gay, so I'm not really having a lot of conversations with women about this. To be mm-hmm. perfectly honest, but it just seemed like it was playing off of tropes. Like, so she has to get dirty and like swim through shit. There's rats everywhere, which freak her out, and like the whole episode is kind of her being a damsel in distress and they occasionally give her the credit for not being one. Like when she tries to leave on her own or at one point she basically saves Batman by lighting a hockey stick on fire. Yeah. Well, I mean that that's one of the points I wanted to bring up is we just had an episode where Max wanted to be more into the team. Yeah. And we just had her not really holding her own, but not being a damsel in distress, which kind of is except for, except for the times they are. Like, yeah. But I, she has more substance to like to to do something like, yeah um like we we kind of get reasoning behind her choices where dana just like oh he gave me a flower yeah i guess i'm putting out tonight <laughs> yeah i mean that's like the really obvious implication after, of the whole thing just after just be like almost you, like near breaking up with yeah him. like you shitty shitty man but it's funny give me a flower i mean like that's I guess kind of one of the interesting things about this episode it's about shitty men yeah like it's about terry being shitty to Dana despite his positive intent. Mm-hmm. It's also about Patrick being really creepy and possessive of her, again, despite, from his point of view, coming from um, a good place. You know, mm-hmm. He's completely misguided. Yeah, he, yeah he, from his perspective, he's... Because we, we see he has, like, a collection of, of kind of the lost toys. He's a pack rat. Shut up. No, that's even in the episode. Is it? Okay. But that's not my pun. I mean, I, <laughs> I wrote that note down <laughs> to make it my pun, but the episode beat me to it. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he says he takes... Um, unwanted things. unwanted things and so he saw Dana being yeah. mistreated by Terry including that little um, monkey killed the weasel singing monkey in a bellhops outfit from uh, Superman the animated series oh yeah 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 with um, Bobo right I think Bobo mm-hmm. yeah I've read the, the little yeah. monkey's name I don't remember either doesn't matter it's a good callback though yeah um, yeah so like he it, from his perspective he's trying to save her from being forgotten yes um but it just turns into kind of an obsessive well, lust. Yeah, and then you know, I mean, it's it's about even with that hairstyle. Even with that hairstyle, it's it's. I'm about, not gonna let it go. I know you're not. It's, it's, it's so <laughs> ugly. I'll I'll be sure uh, to post a photo of it specifically. Let's get let's get some feedback from people if they think it's quite as bad there, as you say it is. There, there was a, so one of the reasons I hate it so much is there was a, a YouTube video. I'm from glad to see years so and years, about and years this. ago, early early days of YouTube, where it was a guy's dating video. And it was this, you know, a little overweight guy, uh, jet black hair. I think he had like a katana on, because uh. why not? And he had that that long front strand of mm. greased black hair. Yeah. And he's talking about the kind of women that he's into <laughs> and the kind of woman that he wants to date. And I every time I saw Dana had with like saw her face, all I could see was this YouTube guy. And I'm like, oh God. It's that bad. It's that bad. It's that bad. Um <laughs> But so the more sophisticated point I was trying to make, Cameron. There wasn't anything for this episode. Uh, no, but it was like, it's about shitty men, and it's about Dana pushing back against that. But then it undercuts the whole thing, because at the end, Terry doesn't deliberately, but he basically takes advantage of Dana's trauma to get back in her good graces, because she's like, oh, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, just shut up, McGinnis, and like, come yeah. back to me. He literally said, better late than never, right? Yeah. And I'm just Which like, is not the point of that. No. And I don't, ah, uh, it, it, 
I think it was trying to do something, but it just it didn't quite land it. Can we talk about the other villain in this episode for a quick second? The other villain in this episode. The guy who wanted to blow up the library? Oh, Mad Stan. Mad Stan. Or you don't know Ooh, Mad Stan. Excuse me. I don't know Mad Stan. So, yeah, Mad Stan is a he's recurring villain. Yeah, Mad Stan's a recurring villain, and he's kind of always plopped in like this to um, just be a background villain. I love him. I love him so he, much. He's great. He's insane. He's, I mean, he's mad. Yeah. Um, and he's supposed to blow everything up. But he's he's he had, of, a, he had a good argument. I'm not gonna lie. Like it's still very relevant to today. It was actually very apropos, like the he, information overload. Yeah, he wanted to blow up the library be, library because there's too much information in the world. Yeah. Uh, and I wrote, uh, good thought, bad execution. Yeah. He he is. <laughs> I mean, there. Uh, yeah. He, he's very. He's weirdly prescient. Yeah. But but I mean, I really enjoyed that fight. I think that's kind of the highlight of this episode. Mm. Is I, I love no, it, that it fight. It absolutely is. Because even though he's just kind of a throwaway villain, there's such an urgency you feel yeah. in that fight. Like you want Terry to finish him off as fast as possible because mm-hmm. you want him to be with Dana. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's a good point, actually. I think this is the best the best use of that sort of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, in some ways, it's one of the most B tossy moments we've had so far. I mean, that show is known for kind of throwing in either brand new villains or just known villains for a small moment to yeah. kind of carry the plot forward, but then also really embracing that sequence and letting it be playful and fun and play out. And yeah. I, you're right. This is like, this episode is by and large terrible. It's almost worth including on a list just for his scene. Yeah. I say almost. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not still, quite there. You can't, you still can't quite justify in the end, but it, it reminds me of, <clears throat> there is that one B toss episode where Batman is trying to get somewhere. I don't remember what he's trying to do. But like small crimes keep happening around oh, him. He oh, has to it's solve. um, it's appointment in Crime Alley, right? When he's trying, yeah, when he's, he's trying to get to Leslie. Trying to get to Leslie. Um, to it's the anniversary of his parents' death. Yeah. Again, like that's a great episode. It's a great episode. Much better than this one. Much, much. I mean, I'd say, guys, don't watch Rats. Go watch appointment in crime alley go but, watch uh sewer king go watch, ooh, no 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 i don't think there's anything redeeming but the underdwellers i think at least this has uh that mad stand moment but yeah. don't worry mad stand will be back oh good i'm excited yeah, I, mad, I like him a lot yeah mad stand's come back hold on so what does he have powers because uh bruce threw out this line um oh where yeah. he said once he starts ranting He's unstoppable. I think he's just crazy. <clears throat> I think he's just really, really crazy and just like won't let anything get in his way. I had the idea, and this would be a fascinating power, that uh, the longer he goes without being cut off, the stronger he gets. <laughs> like just the more consistently he talks, yeah. the more his like power builds up. And so the only way to defeat him is Terry pulls out like an air horn. Yeah. <laughs> to get him to shut up. Yeah, just to get him to stop talking. <laughs> I just like make him stutter. Yeah. And then he he loses all his power and gets punched out. <laughs> It's Bane, but with words. Yeah, like Juggernaut. Yeah. <laughs> you can't stop me once I've started talking. Let me tell you about my problem with the power system. Just... He, this, the filibuster is the villain. Yeah. <gasps> the filibuster. Yes. Guys, you heard it here first. That, that's our new villain. The filibuster. Jesus Christ, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? Oh, man. What we should do for the 100th episode even though neither of us have taken any notes, is we should we should 
like bring back all of the random characters we've created over the past hundred episodes. Cameron, you monster. <laughs> we're not gonna do that. Just for everyone listening, we're not gonna do that. No. That's a hundred episodes I mean, that we're gonna have to listen to. Occasionally I will put that in the episode description. Like plus we create the filibuster, that sort of thing. It's yeah. like the random aside, but I legitimately don't know. There's certainly made too and, many and also people. like there's there's no one try and help us on that one. No. Like I mean <laughs> I mean it's it's presumptuous of me to even assume anyone would try, but like Please, it's not worth it. Right. Trust me. This podcast is not that good. <laughs> it's like we are we are not worth that level of effort. Yes. But how about this? How about for the hundredth episode? Why don't you like? Why don't you draw out what you think the filibuster would look like? Oh uh, uh, yeah, because you're, you're an actual legit artist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm just off the top of my head, we had um, the character who created all the costumes for people. Oh yeah, right. Uh, the the Edna mode for the DC universe. Yes. Um, I wouldn't even know where they were in I which episode. I mean, we had a lot of theories about Alfred uh, being the one setting up the villains and that's and true. Helping he, them escape he's, Arkham. Yeah, he's behind it all. Yeah. He's the grand mastermind. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of crackpot characters and theories on this podcast. We have. <laughs> oh, well. Um, yeah. Should we, uh, should we move on to mind games? Uh, yeah. Here? Let's move on over to mind games. Okay. Um, so at what point, are we going to stop getting the, I can use more than 10% of my brain and be never. super powered. Like never. Admittedly, this is like 20 year old cartoon, but mm-hmm. like we just had this with what Lucy. Yeah. Which was, I mean, two, that was four years two, ago, three years ago. That was, I, that was a little ways away. But I mean, like, I feel like we're still getting that. Oh, we're never going to stop in places. That. Yeah. I mean, despite it being a, a theory that's been debunked a long time ago, because yeah, but it's still one that everyone talks about because everyone knows it's such a, it's such a shorthand. Yeah. They can just do it. Like, cause the, the whole idea here is that, um, Scott Pilgrim, it's basically, I mean, what the, the vegan powers, oh. the reason, the reason you can, uh, the reason mine never matter. Non vegans can, uh, the reason non-vegans can't have telekinetic powers is because the lacto... Oh, God, how did he phrase it? I, I don't remember anymore. I don't. Uh, the, 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 the milk, is like drinking milk, basically, stops you from using 90% of your brain. What's his argument? It's a valid argument. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly, these guys are all vegan then because they've all tapped into the other 90% of their brains. Um, basically... One ter- of them was a huge threat. Yeah, no, seriously. He like, was awesome. They're actually really dangerous, most of them. But, like, Terry basically... Um, encounters this he like saves his runaway car when he's out on patrol and it's these two weird people carrying around like transferring this little girl and then the next day at school he starts seeing little girl she keeps coming up to him and saying like I don't want to go I can't get away from them whatever Mm -hmm. and he eventually tracks her down and she's been um, basically abducted by a organization called the brain trust like a psychic cult yeah like like a, a cult secret society thing called the brain trust who is made up of all these people with these incredible abilities because they tapped into their greater potential. Mm -hmm. And so it's Terry trying to rescue this little girl from these people. Um, And basically she just meets Terry and delivers like her version of the princess Leia, help me on bone Kenobi thing on repeat again and again and again. Yeah. I will give them credit for once again, finding a clever way to bridge Terry's Batman and student life Mm -hmm. in kind of a fun, clever way. Um, but it's just, I mean, there's some, there's some good stuff in here, right? There, there is some, there is some cool stuff in here. Um, few questions. Yeah. Oh, well, please, please. <laughs> um, do so share. obviously she's in Terry's head. Yes. How, when he's in the Batcave, how does Ace know that she's there if she's in Terry's head? 
There's no like there's Sonic. No, yeah, there's nothing. I mean, I guess maybe. Does he? I here's here's my explanation for it. Okay. He senses Terry is on guard, and when Terry sees her, he kind of gets defensive, and Ace notices that, so Ace also gets defensive. That probably makes more sense. I, I was gonna say that because he's a good dog. He's he's a good boy. He's a good boy. I would say that maybe her powers venture slightly into the metaphysical. Like okay. maybe it's not just. Maybe it's not just inside your head. Like maybe Has Ace also tapped into his greater potential and also yes. is using more than 10% of his dog brain. He's Ace the Bat Hound. Of course he has. That's true. I bet he also has psychic powers and this, I mean, no one knows. Shy of Scooby-Doo, that dog displays so much personality. It's true. Yeah. Like he's evolved. Mm-hmm. He's a higher level of being. Yeah. I mean, he's Batman's dog. Batman's dog. Batman I'm sure old, he was orphaned old. at one point. <laughs> we actually do get his background. Was he orphaned? We'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> it's a very sad episode. Great. It's it's not quite Jurassic Bark, but it's oh, like, God. it's it teeters dangerously close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love, I do love Terry's uh, detective skills because he, when Tamara, the girl, mm-hmm. reaches out to him, she projects around him the hotel they're staying at. And thank God the pillows of that hotel are embroidered with the initials. Have yeah. you ever stayed at a hotel where the, yeah. the pillows are embroidered with the initials of the hotel? Yeah, uh, the the Disneyland Hotel and, like, fancy hotels all do that. I mean, I, I just think it's a pretty fancy hotels. I don't remember one doing on, that. Uh, not on, like, couch pillows, but on, like, throw pillows on the on the bed. Okay. Usually usually it's, you know, it's the two, 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 one. Okay. And usually mm. the one is embroidered. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah. Give it me shit for being the, the person coming from luxury. <laughs> You're staying in these hotels with embroidered pillows. Yeah. Marriott Holiday Inn, guys. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I don't mean to trash on the Marriott Holiday Inn. <laughs> also, I lo- I'm not that posh. I, I don't. Right. I, I. I'm not like that. I'm not gonna try and defend myself. Yeah, don't even try. Um, also, I love that Terry is just willfully killing people again. Of course, uh, because one of the one of the guys basically has uh, access to his potential so well that he is essentially invulnerable and super strong. Mm-hmm. And Terry, not knowing that, catapults him out a. 15 20 story window casual casually to his death um and then the guy just gets up and walks away like jaws style richard mm-hmm. keel jaws mind you not like steven spielberg jaws okay um, thank you for the clip james bond jaws okay um had to get it in there somewhere i've not seen either so it's okay you oh, oh so you haven't seen jaws no there's a reason though there's a reason though it is my mom's least favorite film of all time and so she refused to let me see it growing up. Can I now make you watch it as an adult? That's fine. Okay. It's really, it's really fucking good. Yeah. It is like one of the best movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Okay. But anywho. Um, so, um, yeah, he's just willfully killing people again. But So he, he fights with super strong dude. He also fights with um, weird albino he was awesome he he could have been really, like a, a major villain he's really cool like i he's legitimately dangerous it's a really good fight sequence too with him basically projecting around terry like a a, a windstorm so that he mm-hmm. can't see or hear where the fight's coming from um and that character actually so he's just referred to as the albino oh good and i guess he appears in uh the justice league unlimited episode double date which i think was double date? I think that's um, the question and Huntress, right? Yes, it is, yeah, with uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. Oh, oh, right, because they're after they're going after and um, 
Mandragora. Oh, okay, right, yeah. So Steven Mandragora is a character in They're Hunting Down That Episode. This is his son. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I guess we see the son in that episode, which I haven't seen in a long time. I haven't seen it in a while either. Yeah. Um, Because I think Hunters and Black Canary get in a fight in the middle of it. I think so. I could also sounds right. I could could also be thinking of when Hunters was in the 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 arrow, and I just animated it in my head. That's or true. But there was also the cage fighting Justice. episode. Oh, or <laughs> in the cage fight episode. I mean, to be they fair, they fight a lot. I mean, you record everything in animation. I do. So how, how can we possibly distinguish these things? That's very true. Um, but I thought that was clever. But he, that's a really good sequence, a really good fight. It's so cool. Because, like, it, oh, it's so creepy at the beginning, too. Because he just, like, I don't know what he does to Terry, but he basically, like, shocks his brain. Yeah. And you see, like, he, like, stretches out his proportions. Oh, my God, yeah. And, like, like that he, weird, he kinda, like, like, flicks between the mask and not wearing the cowl. And yeah. It, it's, oh, it's, 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 it's so pretty. Crazy, trippy, psychedelic thing that's going on. Yeah. My question is, why did he stop doing that? Um, like, he was clearly killing Terry. Maybe. But you had to, obviously, you had to have Terry win. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that, that power takes more out of him. And so, like telekinesis is much easier maybe it's more like Jean gray in that sort of sense where mm-hmm. like her primary power is telekinesis but she also has telepathic abilities yeah maybe something like that sure not to say that's what it is um and then but it's like it, when we first meet these characters it's almost implied that it could be mysticism a little bit mm-hmm. with like her being able to go into people's minds him being super strong even um the albino like all their powers seem a little bit mystical, and then we're, we're told it's more metaphysical. Yeah. But, but I was trying to remember, have we actually had straight-up mysticism at any point in Batman Beyond? I don't think we have. No. I think it's all been kind of tech science-based, which, I mean, it makes sense. This, yeah, it's this a show skews more sci-fi. Um, kind of like the same way that Superman did for a long time, and then eventually it it went down that path. But yeah, I don't think we've had mysticism yet. I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Because even in BTOS, we rarely had it. We never had it I mean, okay, we that's had, not true. We uh, had the one Roz episode. Yes, we had the one Roz episode had it, and I think that's basically it. I think so, too. And then even in New Batman Adventures, there's obviously the Jason Blood episode. Mm-hmm. That's a great episode. I love, um, I love um, Etrigan. He's so good. And then, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess those, these have all always been a little bit more on the grounded side, a little less on the mystical so I'm, I was always glad when they dove further into that, especially in like Justice League and JLU, because I love all that stuff. Mm-hmm, Dr. Fate, too. all that stuff. It's, it's fucking great. Yeah, so the episode ends. I have a question. So yes. sh- does she blind him? Does she like yeah, burn his brand? I, th- I was ready for a, a lobotomy, because that's kind of the go-to. Yeah, like for, we can't for, kill like, him. Yeah, but... for psychic villains, you kind of just lobotomize the power out of them. And I was yeah. kind of expecting <clears throat> that. He, I guess it would be harder to explain in a kid's show. yeah. To be a, a little bit more, a little more aggressive. But even then, like blinding him seemingly permanently, it's it's unclear. Mm-hmm. That's really really dark. Yeah, like in some ways more so than killing him. It seems more cruel in some ways. I mean, I could have just seen just like knocking him out. Yeah, and get, you know, giving the moan like, oh, okay, he's. But still I mean, alive. I guess that's the whole thing. He's like invulnerable, right? Like they mm-hmm. keep on things the outside, that should... but not on the inside. Oh, he's a little softy. Yeah. Let's get that hard shell exterior. Um, can we also talk about the fact that the the female leader, like the the woman in this, has the powers of Jubilee? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Her name is Bombshell. Bombshell. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, because she's like halfway between Jubilee and Boom Boom, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 
Yeah, so she snaps and kind of creates concussive blasts and explosions from that. Yeah. Um, so I guess a little bit Dazzler, too. But I guess you know, she absorbs sound and re- I think she absorbs... I think so. Yeah, I think she just changes one form of like sonic kinetic energy into other kinds of kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, it's fine. I think there's some fun stuff in here. I think so. there's a, so there's a Teen Titans episode that this reminded me a lot of. Okay, something about this felt familiar too. Yeah, what yeah, was the Teen it, Titans? It's an episode thing? called Hide and Seek from season five. Okay. Yeah, season five because they're running away from Brother Blood, um, where Raven has to babysit three kids who recently found out they have powers. Oh. Um, and they all they all have kind of very different powers. So it's Melvin, Timmy Tantrum, and Teether. Uh, Melvin uh, has the power to to kind of manifest her imagination, and she mainly does that through creating a giant teddy bear, a super strong teddy bear. Okay. And I love him so much. His name is Bobby. Um, Timmy Tantrum can create sonic blasts with his uh, with his tantrum with his voice. Okay. Uh, and Teether is a baby who can chew through anything and create projectiles from that. That's amazing. Yeah, and I love them so much. And it's such a great episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it just kind of, like, it, it had kind of the same vibe for me. Okay, brought back those feels for you. It did. Oh. Uh, and also, there was a Young Justice episode. Or there's a villain in Young Justice. I just forgot his name, but he's the, he's kind of the, the psychic villain that always fights off against Miss Martian. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I see his character design, but I just don't remember his name. He's, he looks cool. Um, Young Justice, Psychic Villain. Oh, um, Simon? Yeah. PSI? Mm-hmm. Simon? Oh, Simon. Simon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Simon says. He always says oh, that. Right so, yeah. Simon says. Simon. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I need to rewatch Young Justice. Uh, I'm so excited for that. Uh, just a few more weeks. So close. So close. I know. Um, well... Speaking of Young Titans. Justice and the Titans, show, mm-hmm. shall we shall we discuss Titans episode three? Which I, I think is this finally is this finally like the dividing episode for us? I I texted Chris after I watched this episode where I, I said everything positive I've ever said about this episode, I ever said about the show, I take back with this episode. Okay, give it to me. Give, what did you, what, 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 why did you hate it so much? Just everything. It seemed. It, you had the two character you you had two characters go off for um uh for exposition where neither of them knew anything. It was oh, when, it was when, Raven and, and Starfire, Starfire in the car being like, "Do you know who I am? No. Do you know what I'm doing here? No. I don't know who I am. But but what am I doing here? I don't know. Can you tell me anything about me? No. I don't know you. But what am I supposed to be doing? I don't know because I don't know. I it was so infuriating that that was. <laughs> Ten minutes of this episode was them just being like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on either. There's a guy that does know some answers, but let's not talk to him. And it was so... Oh, and then it was interspersed with clips of of young Dick, which seemed a little unnecessary, and one of the worst CGI pieces I've ever seen. Yeah, when he he breaks out of Wayne Manor and, like, he... he, It honestly, it, 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 it made the Batman Forever, like, laundry foo. And, I like, hit, wish it, he would have done a laundry foo Like, this. the sequence of, of Dick, like, leaping off the top floor of Wayne Manor to get down to the Batcave. You, like, you know at it, least that was done practically. Like, this is, it's really bad. It, it's what it, really what bad it was, CGI. from what I saw, what it was, because they kind of <laughs> hid it in silhouette, so they didn't have to actually texture it. Yeah. All I saw was them taking a character model from Planet of the Apes, Something that was already animated, yeah, and then just put a tree that fit 
the animation on top of it and then just painted the model black. You're not far off because he, it, he, the, the, the CGI devil is also like a lot thicker yes, than the kid. It was so bad. Uh, you know, I, okay, I will agree with you. I don't really know what the points of those flashbacks were. Um, I'm not sure. None what, of it was explained. None of the, it wasn't really setting anything up no. either. Like, I mean, I guess at one point, Dick has a conversation with Raven, right? Does he have a conversation with her where he's like, you can keep running, but like eventually you got to like stop and like figure out what's going on. And like, that was like, parallel with him being a kid and like being I, all reckless. But sure. I also feel like, okay, I mean, there were some bad parts of this, but like the, there's a lot of bad parts. Lot, okay, episode. fine. There's a lot of bad parts, but the, for me, what was so weird about those flashbacks, especially is the lack of Bruce was really clunky. Mm-hmm. It was like, really kludgy. Cause there's definitely moments where you're like, why isn't Bruce here? Like, why is Dick spending all this time talking to, like, his social worker when he just took one of Bruce's cars out for a joyride and Bruce isn't there to say anything about it? And also, like, the ending of that, when Dick just finds that letter being like, I can help you channel that rage to be more creative, and Bruce is saying behind the background, why isn't that not an in-person conversation? Like, why isn't Bruce being like, hey, Dick, look, I know what you're going through. This literally happened to me before, too. It's really, really tough. But like, if there's anyone who gets you, it's me. Let me help you, and I can help you find a way to channel this. That's a fucking human conversation you have yeah. with a child. Because DC has a problem where they just don't want to have to explain multiple universes. Even though they've done that multiple times with the Arrowverse. Ugh. They just say this is another universe. It's not a hard it's, thing. It's fine. Like, but, I mean, I just don't get why... Bruce has to be such a lurking presence in all of this. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you could especially have, if it's him, if it's a young Dick and a slightly younger Bruce, I feel like that's fine. That's like, I mean, that's like, it's, it's a big reveal they're saving up. Like, I can understand making Batman. It's going to be Slade. That's that's the it's big gonna... reveal. It wasn't Batman. It's been Slade. It's been Slade the whole time. Said, I, mean, I guess, yeah, they did say Batman at the very beginning. Okay, never mind. Yeah, but it, it just... It really did weird. It seemed weird. Why, what's Dick searching for, and why is he searching for it on a freeway in a stolen Porsche? Yeah. Like, how is he searching for his parents that way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm searching for the guy who killed my parents. Are do you? you have, yeah, because that's what he said to the social worker. I know, but like, but are you? Yeah. He's like, what clues do you have? Yeah. You have nothing to go. Are you just going to go to Crime Alley? Be like, hey, do you know? I guess, yeah, he probably was just going to go to Crime, Crime Alley. Alley. Like, yeah. Hey, do you know anyone that killed some circus folk recently? It doesn't right, make okay. That's a good plan. Yeah, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Mm-hmm. Um, why isn't when so start? So there's that weird family that's hunting Raven. I like them though. Who are who, we now know are clones? Are or they? not really? They're. I I I I wrote down. I thought he they made were a clones. comment like I didn't make you to fail. Yeah, but I kind of thought that it could be brainwashing. Bra- yeah, I mean, I feel like that the they've all had like some sort of work done, like physical, mental, like they've been like modified. But I think they're all human okay i think we we did get a confirmation that trigun is responsible for all this yes yeah we finally got mm-hmm. confirmation that yeah it's raven's father it has some big influence and, and i think even at the end of the episode like i think that the version from the mirror that's always talking to her i'm assuming that's trigun and she yes. and she let him out right mm-hmm. right i think that's what happened well, in that moment um it's uh, i'm in the so i don't know the comics well but in in the animated show it was just her her demonic side. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that that's where she gets all of her powers, and so Got saying okay. Azerath Metrion Zenthos is a way for her to control the demon. Okay. Through like in a calming way. So, 
Because that's all. Okay. There's, there's a great and her power comes from her father, right? Like it's cha- mm-hmm. like it's channeled through him, or it's an extension of him, something like that. Okay. Yeah. There, there's a great Teen Titans episode in the first season, um, where they where Raven and Starfire switch bodies. Oh yeah. And they talk about and it's so interesting where they talk about how they control their powers because you kind of get that here mm-hmm. where Raven's like, oh yeah, I have such a dark thing inside of me and Starfire at the same time is like, oh, I have such a a light thing inside yeah. of me. Yeah, that's a good moment. Yeah, and that's and that's that's mimicked so well in the anim in the animated version where they're like, yeah, I have to keep my powers bottled up. I have to keep my emotions bottled mm, up yeah. because I can only use my powers when I'm uh when I can clearly see what I'm supposed to do, mm-hmm. where Starfire has to use her emotions to power herself. That's right. It's like to fly, you have to think of a good memory. That's right. To use a bolt, you have to get angry. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that episode. It's such a good episode. T- show so good. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, okay, so because <clears throat> that's when Puppet King comes, and Puppet King's a great villain. Oh, Puppet King! Like I'm, I don't know. Like I like and Starfire remembers her name. Sorry, one more point. Starfire remembers her name, but nothing else. It's, it's well, I think she knows her name because it was on an ID somewhere. Okay. Is her name literally Coriander? Yeah. How have I never noticed that? Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we, we did get okay. We got confirmation Trigon is yes. like it, the basically the the family that weird creepy like the Cleaver Cleavers. Um, leave it ooh, to Cleavers. Leave it to, ooh, well, the, the Beavers are called the Cleavers. Oh, damn it! But yeah, they're like like the Cleavers mm-hmm. works. That's actually probably where that came from. Yeah, probably. Um, the show, not the original one, doesn't matter. <laughs> but we got confirmation that they are being they're agents of an organization that wants to unleash Trigon. Yes. To like purge the world. We got confirmation that Starfire is alien. Mm-hmm. She makes a comment about a terrestrial covenant, like a um convent. And then she's speaks in alien language, she has an alien writing on the wall. So like we know that she's an alien and she's been hunting Raven for a while. Pretty much since she left the the convent. Yeah, but I think I guess a little Oh yeah, that. I mean longer than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, she's been hunting... Well, I mean, like, when she was a baby. Right, right, yeah. It sounds yeah. like Starfire's been hunting her for at least a year, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still don't know yet what gave her amnesia. We're still working on that. I, but the thing is, I still... Like, I know you hated this episode, and I there's a lot of problems with it. There's a lot of problems this with it. This was one of the worst-paced episodes I think I've ever it seen. It did have horrible pacing, mostly due to those, those bad flashbacks. And again, I mean, I, I love Dick Grayson as what a really, character. You can see in my notes, I see, when I saw that poem, I said, oh, wow, are you, are you fucking, fucking kidding, kidding me? me? Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. What is the budget of this show? <laughs> like, I think... Hopefully they're just saving all that money for Trigun. That's what I'm hoping. But yeah, at the same time, there was some stuff I liked in here. I did think it moved the story forward i liked that it brought all the characters together for a moment i don't know why beast boy was there though why was he there why wasn't he green just because i think they just needed to like hey they're all here they're all almost, here. they're it's, almost a team it's so it's so weird like it's so just, i think something is going to happen in that town yeah but it's just weirdly coincidental that he would be there but anyways mm-hmm. um but i think what made me like this episode was starfire i continue to love every second she's on screen mm-hmm she is... I enjoy her when she's able to talk to someone that knows something. That helps. And not talk to Raven and just be like, I, I don't know. know. What do you want to do? But, I don't know. What do you want to do? Like, I don't know. When they give her her obligatory beat up the trash talking guy in a diner scene. Oh, uh, when the fork goes through the knuckles. I cringed. Yeah, but that was that like... Was good. That was one of the few times when like the over the top violence seemed characteristic and also 
Yeah, because she doesn't care. She doesn't care. And also, like, that's really violent, but it's not, like, life-altering injury violent, which has been a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, she's just so cool when she's on screen, and they always pair her with awesome disco music. So, I'm, I mean, the soundtrack to this show continues to baffle me, but everything they're playing for Starfire, I'm 100% on board for. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I still enjoy Starfire. I yeah. just want her to fucking do something. Yeah. I, yeah, she she's really fun, and I like now that we're getting time with her and Raven. Because you're right, I think she's better when she has another character to play off of. Mm-hmm. It would help if Raven knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I liked that, though. I liked all that stuff. Um, Why does she have a tanning bed in her exposition shed? Well, I assume because she gets her power from the sun. It's kind of like a quick recharge. Oh, uh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, not from the sun, but she gets her power from light. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, one thing I did not like, though, is apparently we're going down the prophecy route. Yeah, we're getting Teen Titans season three. I mean, has there ever been a really Four, good execution three, of three. the prophecy storyline? <sighs> like, even, even, it just seems like it's always used to try and justify stuff and, like, mm-hmm. justify things having to happen because it's, like, destiny. It, like, more or less kind of works in Harry Potter, but even then I'm just like, oh, do we need a destiny? Do we need, yeah. do we need this? No well, it's also like such a weird spot to start for the team. Cause there's so yeah. many other Teen Titans stories. And I guess like you like protecting her is a good reason to, to have a, a good reason for them to all come together is like, oh, because now Raven is or not sorry, Beast Boy's kind of infatuated with her. Yeah. Um, even though they only are on screen for two minutes together. Uh Robin kind of has this this kind of moral code to keep mm-hmm. her safe now. Starfire knows she's a connection to something about her past. Yeah. So they all like having her be the center point makes sense because she's the, she's the one that's going to bring it, them all together. It does. I mean, it would make sense. It would have to be something pretty huge in scale to actually bring all these characters together. But I think it also speaks to one of the big problems structurally of origin stories, mm-hmm. which is that a lot of stuff has to happen because it has to happen. And then, on top of and it's it, also, it's a, it's a, sorry to cut you off. No, it's 17 times today. Um, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the same idea that they can't tell a small story. Everything yeah. has to be world ending. We're going to have the suicide problem all over again. The suicide squad problem. What did I say? This is the suicide problem. <laughs> They're all just going to kill themselves, Chris. Yeah. It, it just like a lot of stuff has to happen and the the threads are usually carried off of like mystery like it's often like oh how is this gonna all come together which is kind of an easy way Mm -hmm. to propel the narrative and i think a lot of this is all hanging on the mystery of it which i think is kind of working for me i think it's working less so for you and i don't think it's working in general but it's just i'm just kind of okay with it like i want to i want I want Raven to get control of her powers. Like that's yeah. the story I want to see. Yeah, I think that's it. It's, I I just kind of wanted to get to the point where they are all together and have their powers and know each other mm-hmm. and are a team. I I I don't necessarily need all this preamble. Yeah, because you know what? Do you know what story they just could have done? Is fucking Avatar: The Last Airbender? Is Raven is the Avatar? Okay. She has her. So episode three of Avatar: The Last Airbender is when they go to the Southern Air Temple. Aang finds out that all of his all of his friends are dead. Mm-hmm. So then he loses control, and the rest of the show is him trying to gain control. And you know he tries to take shortcuts. Having Raven try to take a shortcut to try and gain control, I think, would be a really mm-hmm. cool episode. Yeah, I could, yeah. But then, like, you have your overarching villain. I mean, I think if they if they 
slow down the Trigun stuff where they have other villains kind of come in, uh, then it could be like, okay, he's he's like, they're setting up for season two. Yeah. Where Trigun's the Trigun's going to be the Thanos. Maybe that's what this needs. Maybe this needs to be more episodic and less serialized. I think it could be. Yeah. Uh, but again, like all of my thoughts and opinions are coming from me comparing it to the animated series. Yeah, which it's hard not to do, to be fair. It's been a long time since I've watched it, so I've kind of forgotten a lot of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, mm, I don't know. I mean, I, the thing is, I still get excited to watch it. I still more or less enjoy it when I do, and I'm still excited to watch mm-hmm. the next one. I Yeah, I'm excited for the next one just to wash this out of my mouth. <laughs> and I I mentioned this last week, but is there was there a point for Hawk and Dove? Are they going to come back? I mean, Dove is still alive. So yeah, I Dove guess, is still alive. I think, That's fine. I think they will come back probably okay. at some point. I hope so, because, God, the show needs more Alan Richardson. It does. Everything, everything. Even though I don't like, like, I like him. I don't like his character. Yeah, but he's still good. Mm-hmm. I think everything needs more Alan Richardson. I, Absolutely. I personally need more Alan Richardson. Yes, the world needs more Alan Richardson. Yes. Mm, sad. Uh, um, do I have any other notes? Any other pressing notes? Uh, the enhanced, uh, I said the, the gas station security cameras quickly got really good And Oh, I know. Universe. Also, no one else thought to look at those. It just Dick was the only one who had the foresight to be like, oh, let's go look at the security cameras. Yeah. God damn it. Uh yeah, <laughs> that fucking scene. It's me so angry. I know, I know it, Cameron. Mm-hmm. It's it's some there's some dumb shit in there. Yeah, I think I think that's everything. Okay, I, you know, well, I'm optimistic that the next episode will be better. Okay, my hopes is this is the lowest point we have. Mm. That's I feel, my, like, I feel like you're gonna be disappointed. I know, but I'm I'm still on board for this show. I'm still having fun with it. Yeah. Um. So actually, segueing into notes from friends, apropos of a conversation we were literally just happen, uh, having, um, so Benjamin David of Above and Batman Beyond posted a question on Twitter, mm-hmm. to which I was too lazy to respond to, but I figured I'd ask you, Okay, which is, you know, he basically asked, in terms of the DCU, but maybe for you broadly speaking, do you prefer serialized storytelling or episodic? So serialized more like the latter parts of the DCAU, Justice League, JLU, Compared to especially BTOS, which is very ep- like episodic, what mm-hmm. what do you tend to gravitate more towards? What do you like more? I'm I'm gonna say the cheat answer of option C, where it's episode kind of one and two set up an overarching story for the season, um, where kind of the middle is is more serialized, yeah. but there's little snippets of an of a bigger story. And then it kind of comes, the, the end comes to a grand finale yeah. in kind of the last two episodes. I also concur. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking of uh, Star Wars Rebels. Okay. The show that I, it's now done, but I quite liked it when it was airing. And especially given a kid's show, there's a lot of fluff in the middle, a lot of filler episodes that don't really do anything and are pretty, like, inconsequential. But I do like the stories where it's like, oh, we can have like the fun kind of episode of the week where it's its own little venture, but we are getting hints of a broader story. Yeah. Yeah. Because my, my example is uh, like Chuck, if you remember. I never watched Chuck, actually. Oh, it's great. If you watch it, you'll understand me on a much deeper level. I'm sure I will. Because I based a lot of myself after uh, Charles Bartowski. That's fine. If you were to watch Californication, you I did. would. <laughs> I did. You made me. I didn't make you. <laughs> I never made you. Um. Yeah, do you understand me better now? A little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and Chuck, it's kind of like how I explained it. It's episode one sets up a villain. Episode two through 17 is a villain of the week mm-hmm. 
where you know every four you get the villain in the background of something and then episode 18 19 and 20 i'll deal with the villain yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think it's a, a general form that works pretty well mm-hmm. first season of avatar was that yeah i, I think it, it really does depend on the show mm-hmm. um i think i think especially like cartoons i think the episodic thing tends to work very well but it also depends on the tone like if you're telling a broader story you need that serialized element in there yeah yeah like uh, gravity fall does it really well yeah where the first half is serial mm-hmm. and the second half is episodic yeah i i think i'm getting to the point where i'm growing tired of overly serialized television i think netflix brought on a bad um not i mean i think that that brought the wave yeah it's like when they realize people binge then what's stopping them from just telling one long story yeah i we've talked about this before i like the fact that titans were forced to watch it week to week mm-hmm. um because yeah, you have to talk about it now. you do well and there's also like it's nice to have some time in between like there's not a lot of shows that i really do watch week to week like i still watch bob's burgers mm-hmm. um and when the orville comes back which i i guess that it just ended like the first season just had like a final episode there was no talk about it being a season finale or anything like that but oh, it's wow. coming back soon like that's one that i'll watch week to week mm-hmm. um but there's not a lot. So I'm, I'm kind of liking having one like this because the binge thing, I just actually, I don't really like it. Is what I've come to it, realize. It takes away, because I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. It takes away a lot of the personality. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel so much less connected to the show. Yeah. Because like... Weirdly enough, yeah. Yeah. My thing is um, uh, a show that we both, wa- I think you watched it and both enjoyed is End of the Fucking World. I didn't watch it actually. Oh, it's good. But I couldn't tell you any of the characters' names. Yeah, it, it all blends. Mm-hmm. It blends together. And I do kind of prefer having a little bit of it being spaced out. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know. I, th- I think it helps. It's nice to know that like you're revisiting things every week. You're coming back to something rather than just being like, I'm just going to let it all wash over me. And it just goes right back. Yeah, and then I'm done with it. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, that's my thing with Game of Thrones which oh, I think is the last God. saving grace of that. It's, yes, it's the, I forgot about that. It's the the water cooler talk. Yeah. It's the the episode ends with a question, and you bring that question to the office or to the school the next day, and then you just get to talk about it until the next episode comes out. You get to theorize, and yeah. you get to live with the characters without seeing the characters. Yeah. And you get to, um like, Westworld's kind of the same thing, too. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like, yeah, it's like you feel like, oh, my God, like, I, you get to look forward and be excited to the next episode coming on. I'm like, it's a big deal. Like, okay, yeah, I'm actually wh- going to like sit down and make myself watch this. When we were watching Westworld season one, I came to you every week. Cause like, I have a new theory. Yeah. This is going to happen. No. And, and it, like, I was so excited about that it every does, time. It and does I was wrong every, every time. time. Yeah. No, it, it makes it more fun. And I guess the, the binge mentality is basically just works off of hype mm-hmm. where it's just like, you know, I know like everyone right now is watching Sabrina, which I'm probably not going to watch because I just don't have the time. And I don't know. I didn't really seem that interested in it to mm-hmm. begin with. But I, I mean, it's, it's one of my plugs. I'll talk about it in a second. OK, yeah. But it's just like, oh, my God, like everyone's watching Sabrina right now. And then once everyone's done watching it, it's whatever the next thing. Oh, my God, everyone's watching this thing now. Yeah. Um, and they're really good at capitalizing on that hype machine um, and serializing it in the sense that they bring it back around every time the thing launches. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I do kind of actually prefer the drawn out. Experience. There was... Um Oh God! What's his name? Um, the brother, John Green. No, that's not. That's the writer. Hank. No, Hank is the writer. John Green is the brother. John Green, mm-hmm. brother of Hank Green, who wrote those books. Other way around. 
John Green wrote, um, like, The Fault in Our Stars. John Green. Hank Green, the brother of John Green, who wrote oh, those books. Is this the podcast they do? No, the um, the letters? What is it? Uh, the yeah, they have a YouTube a YouTube That's series right. uh, called The Vlog Brothers. Very, very famous duo. Mm-hmm. Um, minute of backstory. They wanted to talk. They moved to opposite coasts and to talk to each other they would make a video on YouTube every day that had to be under five minutes about something they learned that day. Yeah. And they have continued that for over 10 years now. Oh, that's crazy. But last year, Hank did a video about what we're talking about now. Uh, It was his post-Comic-Con video. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, I was at Comic-Con and I was excited to talk about all the stuff that I just caught up on but everyone is already on, like, they're talking about Stranger Things, and I don't know about Stranger Things, and they're yeah. talking about Daredevil and Jessica Jones, and and there's all these movies and podcasts and shows and, and music that you have to, and books you have to read, and, and, like, the second one, like what you just said, the second one ends, I don't have time to just breathe, but I have to immediately jump into the next thing, because that's yeah. what everyone's talking about now. Uh, and it's it's a good insight. He calls it uh, Cheeto culture. Oh, okay. the second yeah, yeah. you finish one, you grab another. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he's he's like, I there's like it's hard to escape, but like it's important to to take time and like just because you close a book doesn't mean the story's over. You can still be in that story. Yeah, you don't have to jump immediately to the next one. No, you can just sit and say. I don't know exactly what he was referencing to. I don't, I've never closed a phone or a TV. I, I guess I've, maybe closing his laptop is what he was talking about. Yeah, I know. You, you've never experienced the, the joy <laughs> of a, a physical book. Um, it's it's a pleasure you'll come to at some point, Cameron. Okay, okay. Physical books oh, are great. Oh, books is what he was talking about. Books, yes, books. Okay, okay. Yeah, sometimes you can like set a book down and just mm-hmm. let it wash over. Yeah, it. but it's it's a it's a great video. Like I said, it's under five minutes because that's their rule. Smart. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's nice that they're not playing into the the algorithm bullshit. Um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. like less than five minutes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, ten minutes means two ads, so double the revenue per video. Oh, that's why they do that. That's why. That's why. Yeah. So any, if you watch any of Mr. Sunday Movies videos, he jokes about it a lot. Yeah. It's like, how do we get this over ten minutes? It's because if you have ten minutes, you automatically get two ads that go up during your video, so it's double the profit. Uh And when when it started, it was a big problem because you had daily video so like uh pewdiepie who posts a video every day do you know pewdiepie yeah I know. Okay, okay number one youtuber in the world not anymore he got beat out by t-series not gonna go into that right now doesn't pewdiepie also disgraced for like yes. something <laughs> yeah he said the n-word on a stream oh yeah um God damn. and then there was all the other stuff okay i'm not gonna go into it yeah um where PewDiePie got in a lot of, or a lot of the YouTubers like PewDiePie got flack because they would finish their video like six minutes and then just like pander for four minutes. Oh, just, just to make, to, oh, just, just so it would be like oh, okay. 10.01. Oh, okay. Got it. Just push over the edge. Yeah. Mm. Thank uh, God we don't do that. Nope. <laughs> this is just natural long-windedness. There's yes. no revenue to be gained from the fact we won't shut up. Yes. Um, that being said, I'm we say it's for you, yeah. the audience, but it's, it's really us. because we don't know how to stop talking. No, we just like to keep talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do a couple other quick uh, notes from friends. Okay, right, right, right. Um, one, uh, good old Ashley Clark seems to disagree with my notion about the fact that man buns suck. Yeah, because you're wrong. No, they're terrible. And she threw out Aiden Turner as a counterpoint. Aiden Turner is a very, very handsome man. He was the hot hobbit in Hobbit. Okay. Um, or the hot dwarf, excuse me, in The Hobbit. Right, right, right. Okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. the hot one who's like macking on Evangeline Lily. Mm-hmm. But even then, I'm sorry, Ash. I looked him up. 
the man bun's still not doing it for me. I'm sorry, if you could put Chris Hemsworth in a man bun and it's still not working for me, I don't know if anyone can. Um, but Maddie also pointed out that there's an actual Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic character called the man bun. Oh my gosh. Like, kind of like man bat, but man bun. I, I kept the photo up so you could see it. Okay, that's not what I was expecting. Yeah, it's, like, it's it. like a, it's a kind of like a hipster rabbit mm-hmm. character, which is it's. I was really hoping he was gonna be like, like Pretty. a steamed, like a uh, like a steamed roll, like oh. an actual like bun. Oh, that would be no. You're you're thinking of um the short that came out before that Disney movie. Yeah, Poe. That one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. But um, as a, a villain. But as a villain. And then what else here? Uh, oh, I just want to say uh, thank you to all the love I got for my Condiment King costume. It was amazing. That I wore. I forgot to, I forgot to put that up at the beginning of the episode. Um, you had a great costume for LA Comic Con. Thank you. It, I have to admit, I had a lot of fun with it. I spent a lot of time working on that it, thing. It, it shows. It, um, you did it really well. I mean, I, I go for accuracy as much as I possibly can. So, yes, that was me in a bright blue spandex bodysuit with tidy waddies on on the outside. Um, the backpack was the biggest challenge. Originally, I was going to try and do like the two liter bottle thing. And then I found that they just got deformed too much in the process and the spray paint wasn't clear. Okay. So those are two white trash cans, like little waste baskets. Nice. That I, like tape the top of them closed. Um, and then I actually, I'm going to give myself a little bit of credit for how clever this was. I added magnets on one end and a hinge on the other so that they actually opened up and they were functioning backpacks. Nice. Cause I had no room to carry around like my wallet, my phone, my keys, anything like that. Um, yeah, and like Dang, the whole look cut. at that engineering degree coming back into it play. Comes, it comes. I drilled a lot of things to make this costume come together. It was super, super fun. Um, a shout out to our friend uh, Katie, who I'll, I'll post some photos from the Comic Con, and uh, she was dressed as Nightwing um, for like being my handler over the course of <laughs> the event, and actually like grabbed my phone for me. Um, which, by the way, you're now that person for us. <laughs> We've decided that you should have been there to like take photos for us and to carry around our shit. Okay. Yeah. So you're now our Comic Con handler. But I'm also the one that 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 wants the most photos taken. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right, you have a camera in hand all the time. That's true. It'll work perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, no, that was super fun. But just I want to say thank you to everyone who's been super cool about sending uh, sending nice things. Yeah. So, and that is a costume that I'm going to continue to work on because I think there are still improvements to be made. Yeah, it looks great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, and you 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 said you had you said at the top of the episode or before the episode you had you had uh. Posing instructors. I did, which yes. is awesome. I I would love that for cons. Yes, yeah. We um we ran into some friends of Katie's who uh were like are kind of more established cosplayers. They had some really aw- this really awesome Thundercats cosplay. I'll I'll Ooh. link them in the the show notes. Um, really really Lino, cool. Panthera, who was it? Um, who are the? Is it Kitten Cat or like oh, the, the kids? Yeah, okay. so they had that. They were great, and they actually like stopped and like okay, here's how you pose. Here's how you do the lighting, all this other stuff. It was it was really really fun. It was nice to have that. Oh, quick quick side tangent mm-hmm. uh at the so i went to go see uh danny elfman perform nightmare oh right Christmas yeah friday night uh and then uh all the, the like the disney influencer people got to go to this after party at the yeah. bowl uh and it i won't i brought two of my friends and who were in town and it was so funny to introduce them to like instagram culture <laughs> where the it wasn't a lit room where we had the after party and so everyone had you had the photographer and then you had two friends on the side with their uh, flashlight on. So you had the three-point lighting for every photo. And so if, if you just looked around, it oh was like this, this like beautiful brick wall. And it was just a wall of people, all who had like four or five friends lighting the scene for them. And it, it was like, 
Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is Instagram culture. Well, Welcome. now that you know Instagram culture, you can be our photographer slash handler slash lighting expert. Yeah. Well, we need two more people to be to be lighting people. Okay, we got Shane. Yep. <laughs> We're just gonna make a whole production out of yeah. this. We need some grips. Yep. We need some. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it. Yeah. Every everyone needs everyone needs work right now. We need a PA too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was um, it was super fun. I like Comic Con. We had a lot of fun with it. Good. I'm glad um, I missed it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sad I missed it, but I'm yes. glad you had fun. No, no. And I'm glad you had fun, too, Yeah. I doing did. your things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually have some plugs that came out of LA Comic Con. Okay. Um, so, sp- specifically, this artist, uh, Celine Chappas, uh, whose handle on Instagram is at Purple Top Hat. Again, all in the show notes. But she does these cool... Actually, I'll show you the, like, her most famous one. She did this amazing um, gender-bent lesbian fan art... For Cap and Bucky. Ooh, it's very like painterly style. Yeah, not painterly, but it, it's uh, hard lines with with like uh, paint. Oh, not painted colors, like uh, soft colors. Yeah, no, she's an incredible artist, and like that's that's like the one piece of art she did that's really kind of blown up for her because mm-hmm. um, it's really really well done. Um, but I personally got this fantastic uh, sexy Spock. Ooh, that is sexy. <laughs> It's very sexy. Again, I'll, I'll put all this up there. And actually, Cameron, I got something for you. <gasps> Chris, you didn't. I, I got you. Shouldn't have. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is everything I've ever wanted. It is Deadpool with Celine Dion uh, and just being the happiest people in the world. Yeah. He is worshiping her as he should. Uh, Thank and you it, so much. Of course, it is signed to you by the I artist. See. By the artist, I'll, I love it. I'll, I'll post all of these on Instagram. But um, no, she's she's fantastic. Her art's amazing. Um, so I have that, and then um, someone who I, I actually met recently, this guy Chris Riley, who does male cosplay pinups. Okay. Um, and he's at Cap like at Instagram. But I actually I met him through some mutual friends, and I reached out to him before the convention to get some advice on how to put together the costume. And he was really helpful, and I actually had a chance to meet him. And he's like a, a super sweet guy, and uh, his male pinup cosplays are choice nice very very hot um so go check that out as well yeah if you are so inclined <laughs> um but yeah that's my stuff for this week nice in terms of plugs good plugs so, mm-hmm. uh so as i said earlier uh i have been watching selena uh, sabrina mm-hmm. it's so dark it it, it amazes that me yeah. that this is literally just a it's it's just a um not satanism what's what's the uh what's the religion called that worship satan I don't know. Uh, whatever. Sat- not sat- sadism? No, that's a different thing. That's a very different thing. Well, um, it's, it's just a uh, satanic okay. show. Like, yeah. Literally, the whole thing is um, the first few episodes are Sabrina preparing for her dark baptism, where she is is offering her her uh, you know body, mind, and soul mm-hmm. to the devil. Um, okay. It's like I when I saw the trailer. So we saw the first trailer, and it, it's. If you've only seen the trailers, because there were two, mm-hmm. it's much closer to the, the tone of the first one. Okay. Because the second trailer made it look like it was more of a dark comedy. Yeah, it definitely did. It, uh, there was very little uh, comedic moments. Okay. Um, but it, I, I'm enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. It, it's a hard one. I will say it's a hard one to binge. Okay. Because it's so dark. Man. Uh, like, I... I I'm on episode five right now. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I, I watch things very fast, so that's very that's a very slow pace. That is, for me. is it thirteen? Is it? I think it's just ten. Oh my god! Uh, but they're hour long episodes. Woo! Yeah. So like, even even just watching one, it kind of takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. I, I would recommend it just kind of like a slow pace show. If 
you were a fan mm-hmm. of the original Melissa Joan Hart show. I I am a big fan because I I know, I've been, I know you are. I know, yes. You've been rewatching that. Yes. So as someone who loves that show, as advice to other people who love that show, is it worth watching as a fan, or do you have to go into this knowing that you have to? Expect nothing like it to be the same. I have to appreciate it for what it is. Uh, the latter. Okay. Um, the two biggest changes, um, Zelda, one of the ants, uh, they pretty much made into a secondary villain, and I'm not a fan of that. Mm. Not really a villain. She's just like a, like much meaner than yeah. um, Hel- not Helga, Hilda. Yeah. Hilda. Hilda's still the sweetheart. Love her to death. Uh, but the, the biggest change, minus the tone, is they split Salem into two characters. Um, so there's still the cat. Yeah. Um, but instead of being an imprisoned, uh, you know, instead of being a prisoner trapped in a, a cat's body for 500 years, um, it's her, um, not fiend, not ghoul. It's, um, oh, oh, um, yeah, that, that word. Yeah. It's her familiar. That, that's the word I couldn't think of. Oh, okay. I think I'm thinking of, there's like a term for when you are a vampire, you've hypnotized someone to like do your bidding. I think it's Oh, a... you're thinking of old school zombies, like uh pre, you're thinking of like the 19 teen zombies. No, I, there, I mean, I'm not going to try to look it up right now, but there was, um, my favorite author, Christopher Moore, he did a series of novels about vampires and in it, like, oh, sorry, are... I was sorry. I was thinking zombies. Yeah. They're, like there's a cool. relationship between the vampire and then like, it's like a thrush or a thrash. I, I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of it, but basically, like the, the person, they're, they're in their thrall. Thralls is a, is a word. Doesn't that, matter. That's a, that's a D&D <clears throat> character. Doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so Salem is split. So the cat form, which doesn't talk, mm-hmm. is, is, a, is kind of a goblin ghoul thing well, where they usually witches uh, use it as kind of their like pets and oh, just kind okay. of do their bidding. But Sabrina with Salem. Uh, being her familiar, they're on equal ground. Mm. So, like, they, they help each other out mutually instead of it being, like, a slave relationship. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, but I think the reason they did it was so now they can, had, they can add an extra hot person in the show who is the cous- who's their cousin, who that he has the Salem backstory of. Uh, he did a heinous crime in his past uh, and now is uh, kind of under house arrest for 500 years. What's that character's name? I don't remember right now, um, but but I, he's good. I like his character a lot. He's Cousin kind of, Ambrose? Yes, Ambrose. He's kind of the voice of reason character. Okay. Mm, not that odd. I mean, you know, you're, you're the better judge than I am. No, yeah, obviously. Obviously. Um, but he's also the gay character. Oh, well, thank God. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the biggest change is Salem being too. And yeah, so no animals talk. So you've seen, you, we've seen a few familiars now, uh, but it's all like, you know, like the, the owner speaks their language. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. But I also watched, I, I think I mentioned it on the podcast two or three weeks ago, the movie Cats Don't Dance. Oh yeah. I saw that you had rewatched oh, that recently. Oh my God, that movie, cause I hadn't watched it in 15 years. Okay. That movie is amazing. Chris. You would love this movie. I'll watch it's, it. It's such a shame that no one is talking about it uh, because it every character in this movie has a connection to old Hollywood. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fun fact about this movie. This is Gene Kelly's last movie he ever worked no on. No shit. He did the choreography for it. Oh, my God. That's and amazing. And so all the dance numbers are amazing. The music is, is phenomenal. Uh, so the main villain is supposed to be Shirley Temple. <laughs> Her name is Darla Dimple. Uh, 
her bodyguard Max is supposed to be, if you remember old Hollywood stories, the bodyguard's supposed to be Eddie Mannix. Okay. Uh, who is the guy who rumored, who's rumored to have killed George Reeves. Oh, right. Um, yeah. And then the studio is Mammoth Studio and it's supposed to be uh, M- uh, MGM because they have, they have their own version of um, LB Mayer is kind of like the, oh, the hot okay, shot yeah. who everyone worships at, like worships his feet. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's supposed to be like 1930s, 40s Hollywood. And they have a lot of like character references in there. You see a lot of the old, like everything takes place in the Chinese theater. Yeah. I'm like looking at pictures here. It looks, mm-hmm. it looks pretty great. It like, I can't believe I've never seen this. It's phenomenal. And, uh, Randy Newman did the music for it. Good old Randy Newman. Yeah. It's so good. And it's such a shame, like learning about why this movie did so poorly box office wise. It, it was really, it was literally just, um, it, it came out right before, right after the Turner Time Warner merge. Oh, and so WB who, uh, was kind of in charge of that whole thing. They, they already paid for the movie. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't even care. Like they didn't want to put any more money into it because it was oh, already okay. coming out. Yeah. And so there was no advertising for it. Oh, what a shame. The movie was in theaters for two weeks and then everyone just forgot it existed. I mean, I was, I've always known of it. Like, mm-hmm. I remember seeing it on like a VHS and stuff as a kid. I just never, for whatever reason, yeah. watched it. Was, it. it was one of the biggest surprising. animated flops. I think it lost like $27 million. Oh no. It, it cost, I think it cost like $35 million. It only made $3 million. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. But, Guys, if you can get your hand, it's uh, I, I rented it on Amazon. Okay, but so it's, it's I, out there. You can watch. Go it and watch this movie because it's right. so good. All right, I'll watch it. I'll go check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are my two plugs. Oh, oh nice. no, sorry, I have another plug. Uh, this will be a really fast one. Uh, my sweet sweet mother mm-hmm. has a book coming out. <gasps> no shit. Yes, it comes out um, right before next week's episode. Okay. Uh, so it comes out uh, Monday the fifth. And it's called uh, Pragmatic uh, Prosperity. Okay. I'm writing it down. Yes. Uh, written by Cindy B. Brown. Yay. Yes. I'm very excited for her. She is going to Orlando this weekend to, uh, to this big conference to talk about it. She's giving mm-hmm. away a bunch of copies. I think it's only 99 cents. Uh, of like digital? Yeah, the digital okay. copy. Uh, so if everyone could go and get that, uh, my mom would really appreciate it. Is she doing print too? I don't know yet. Okay. Um. But yeah, I'm really excited for her. No, that's awesome. If she mm-hmm. does, oh, yeah. if she does do print, especially I want to. Uh, uh, I like to have like printed copies of books from people that I know. Yeah. Oh, and uh, for just a, a, a slight backstory, because not everyone knows my mom like I do, and you do. Right. <laughs> um, she her her book, and she has a podcast as well that's talking about how to live a richer life, both both mentally and monetarily. So it's yeah. kind of like how to make money without losing your mind. No, I listened to it uh, right before I actually met yes. her in person. Well, I know you listened to it, but I, the listeners don't. I know. know. I'm sure the listeners didn't do it, but I was just I was just giving myself credit. Yes, you listened to it before I listened to it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, those are my 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 three. Oh my thingies. god! Well, I'm so happy for her. That's yeah, awesome. Me too. Yeah. No, absolutely glue that in the in the notes there. So, but. I think we finally done it. I think we did it. I know. I apologize, guys. These are all going to run long. While well, we're still doing Titans. Mm-hmm. We, I'm we, out of breath now. I know. We try and trap it down, but it's it's tough. Um, but I don't know. Part of the fun of this episode, though, is we had so much to talk about from our listeners, and we always love that. So yes, please, uh, yeah. If you have any more thoughts on what we're doing now, or want to go watch one of our plugs and come back to us on it, mm-hmm. we are or at, ideas for the the oh yes. episode. If you have some good ideas, yeah. 
uh, try and get them to us before this weekend because that's when we'll be recording. Um, but yeah, we are at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Yeah. Um, I am at Lordifer on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, I'll be sure to post more photos from Comic Con up on my own and also on uh, Tim Talk. Yes, uh, and you can find, uh, if you want to see my face, you can find it at camdexter underscore adventures. If you want to see my art, you can find it at cameron.dexter. I kind of fell off the Inktober wagon because uh, of, of other work responsibilities, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm hoping to get more work up soon. Yeah, I believe in you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right. Thanks, guys. That's it. Bye. Bye.